Welcome one, welcome all, and welcome back to the 11th episode of the Transform Your Game podcast. I'm the host and moderator here today, Richard. Uh, I brought some competitively-minded friends of mine along with me for the ride, though. If you've been listening here before, you ought to know them well by now. However, I think it's as good a time as any for an introduction. So say hi to the folks at home, Kent. What is a man? A miserable little pile of secrets. But enough talk. Have at you! Kai. Do you dream of death? And Joel. Hey there. (laughs) Kent, your intro is getting so long every time (laughs) as we go on. I'm going to recite War and Peace by, like, episode 100. Oh, oh my gosh. Uh, Well, today uh, we'll be following suit from our last two weeks of episodes uh, with our competitive focus discussions. If any of you out there listening didn't get a chance to listen to our first roundtable episode, we did a kind of discussion-style format about some potentially very impactful characters from the set, Wave 5, as a post-mortem for the full spoiler coming out. Last week, we went forward from that with a roundtable discussion about some of the battle cards we believe are going to be impactful in the upcoming Wave 5 metagame for the Transformers TCG. We went through one each of the cards we wanted to talk about in terms of its potential impact on the competitive scene. Uh, This episode, we each have another battle card we wanted to talk about. Uh, now, I think this set is powerful and deep strategically. I think there's a lot of uniquely powerful cards in it. Uh, between today's episode and last week's, we will not have covered every significant addition to the card pool from this wave. But you can expect us to switch up the format in the coming weeks in order to explore what the best vehicle for information is for you, our listeners. So please, give us any feedback all of you have uh, on that matter if you get the chance. Um, also, by the time this episode will have been released, we'll actually be less than a month away from May 29th, the official release date for Wave 5, Titan Masters Attack. I'm so excited. I can't wait to get my hands on the actual cards and throw some support the way of my local game store. What about y'all? Woo-woo! Absolutely. Yeah! Yeah. <laughs> Kai, you've been actually printing your proxies, though. It's not, it's not, like, it's not like Kent and me just taking Sharpie to those little pack inserts. Uh, I actually haven't been printing any uh, proxies lately. Like, not no? since the, the whole lockdown thing, but... Um, you, you, you need I, three play sets of proxy belligerence, right? Dude, I need to, I need to print a whirl. <laughs> <laughs> no, but... Uh, it, it, what sense we are planning to do live streams eventually, I will get down to that very soon. But, mm-hmm. yeah, I just need to get a webcam first or a thing for my phone. Yeah, one of those. I think you just get like a clamp at like Home Depot or something and and set it up. <laughs> Jimmy, Jerry, rig it. You you laugh, but I I'm dead. No 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 serious. no. I'm I'm laughing because I realized that people posted that, and I'm like, <laughs> yeah, I can just do that. Yeah, I mean, they're like I think like a like a reason one's like maybe like seven eight dollars. Like it shouldn't even be hard. That's not yeah, the yeah. point though. All right, well, uh, in tournament news, there's actually a couple things to hit on. Um, I know that our fellow content creators up at VegdorSigma.info are hosting a Wave 5 webcam tourney here real soon. I think this is starting on May 4th. Um, it's only been, uh, like, uh, spots in the tournament are only been available to members of their Patreon, uh, but it should provide some awesome content for those of you who are starving to watch people play, uh, you know, matches with new cards, competitive mindset. Um, I was lucky enough to get a slot in the tournament, and I think, Kent, you're an alternate right now, right? I believe so, um, because by the time I knew about it and I sent a message to Dan and he was like, yeah, I think we're full, but 
you know, if anyone drops, like, I'll let you know. Um, I'm actually very, very much in support of what they're doing. Uh, they're offering incredible prizes, actually, mm-hmm. uh, for it. And I hope that this is a testing ground for something bigger in the future, playing games through webcams um, and larger scale tournaments that way. It would take time to get to that point, obviously, but it's really cool to be able to play something with the physical cards and interact with another human being (laughs) and still be able to do it during the lockdown. Yeah, I think it's kind of a proof of concept thing. Is I guess that's a that's what I'm I'm kind of gleaning from the context. Uh, but I'm excited about it. Huge, hugely in support of it. Um, and who knows? Somebody might have to bow out. You, you know, you could get, you could your spot could happen. It's there's still like a whole week until the thing starts. From at least from the time of recording. I don't know about time for release. But if not this time, then next time. Yeah, I'll do my best to represent the good name of the Transformer game. Uh, you know, we have a podcast reputation to uphold. I'm going to do what I can to make sure you guys don't want to kick me off the podcast. All right, on top of that, Origins Online is coming up here in June around the date of the original convention schedule. Uh, we still don't have any word from WotC about whether or not any type of play will be available through online means and the like. Uh, but who knows? Anything can happen, like we said earlier. Uh, the webcam group, uh, the webcam games group has been active, and we'll hold out hope that something maybe like what they have set up is going to go. Maybe this term from Vector Sigma gives WotC inspiration. Who knows? Um, additionally, it looks like Gen Con is still going to be on, at least for everything I've seen. Uh, some places are opening back up, and hopefully the summer will be a time where we start to, to return to some normalcy. I know it maybe sound like uh, I'm a little overly optimistic, uh, but I'm hoping it's on, and I hope it'll be a safe and not an overly dumb decision to attend. I think that's a totally reasonable expectation. I did post in the Facebook group, too, this week asking for viewer questions. I know I, uh, I hadn't last week, but if something pops into your minds, viewers, as you listen, go leave a comment there. Um, you can also comment on the YouTube video if that's where you're viewing us. Uh, you can message any of us personally uh, it, with a question if you'd like to stay anonymous, but you still want to get your thoughts out there, kind of you know, uh, poke the brains of people. I was actually also thinking, while we are on the topic of things that we haven't done recently, uh, you guys know what we haven't done in a while is an icebreaker question. So I figured I'd throw one in here, just a really quick one. I know we have stuff to discuss. But generally, when we look at the set, it seems like the heads for the Titan Masters that they had in this set, um, assuming it's going to be a returning mechanic in some you know, form or fashion, uh, we're kind of setting the baseline power level. Uh, really quickly, what ability would you guys like to see on a Titan Master in the future, and how many stars do you think it would be? I'm going to go with an ability that is going to be uh, the theme for this podcast, and that is direct damage and what an influence uh, it has had over the metagame thus far, and especially now. Oh my goodness, just if you haven't played against a horrible deck that is burn-focused, they will disintegrate your characters pretty fast. There's just so many amazing direct damage cards in uh, Type Master's Attack. Um, So I would like to see a head that says all non-attack damage dealt to this character is prevented. I would think that it would be around three to four stars and again, your other characters would still be uh, vulnerable to, you know, things like Camion Crash or One Shall Stand. Um, but this way, at least one character doesn't have to be lit up like a Texas Aggie bonfire, um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, the moment you sit down for the game. 
the first card I thought of that we don't have as a head is Aimless. I think that ability would be too strong on a card and just too hard to read, but the other one after that was probably like a healing head, some something like that, but yeah, that's all okay. I have at the moment. I, it's, it's a question I have not thought of until this very moment, so... <laughs> I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to blindside you, Kai. You, you are good. You are good. <laughs> you know, I'm going to kind of go off the reservation and uh, not really answer the question exactly as it was asked. But uh, I, I would, I would like to see a, a different body mode for Megatron, as I've lamented earlier in other <laughs> podcasts. That I, I would love to have a relevant, uh, a competitive, relevant Megatron. I think. It could still be a leader. It could still be something like 10 stars. And I think it would be very competitive relevant if it was 10 stars plus whatever head you put on it. And it did something like, because it's a leader, give bold to all of your other Decepticons or something like that would be a very cool and maybe useful Megatron. Sure. I mean, we did see, we kind of saw like some disparity in the power level of the different body modes out there. You know, you have the difference between horrible or fangry or perceptor versus like mindwipe who who does very little and has not very much health for a lot of stars so i i can see what you're trying what you're trying to kind of say like and, and you know everyone here knows at least anyone who's listened to podcasts for any any measurable length of time episodes wise i know all of you guys because i've harped on it so much I just want good Megatrons in the game. I just want to have an equally good like track record with Megatron as Optimus Prime, or maybe just slightly worse. But uh, I just I haven't been able to find it so far. I would really like to see in the future if they do, you know, Titan Masters return or or whatnot. There, there's so many other you know Headmasters, Titan Masters they weren't able to fit into this set, and it's a huge set already. Interesting head idea might also be say Doomshot and Megatron again, but Doomshot can only go on Megatron and it makes Megatron super buffed. Okay, so almost like a stratagem but a head. Yeah, kind of like Cerebros and Fortress Maximus like he can only go on Fortress Maximus. That idea and like using the head as a way to like really buff up um, a character that would already be good but then make him the the strong tyrannical leader that we all want to see. Okay. I think I'd like to see, if I was going to pick one, I'd like to see something like point defense system that reduces Pierce. Or negates it completely would I be what I like. I think it completely <laughs> is maybe too powerful. You, you, you didn't play in a tournament where... You, <laughs> yes, I did. for 13, right? No, but I mean, I played him after. Yeah, you did You, you did play him after. And I got, right. for, let the record state, I got thwomped by David <laughs> after the turnover. Like, shout out to David Burgos. Here's your weekly shout out. <laughs> yeah. I mean, absolutely trashed. Uh, but reg- regardless, I, I would love to see something else like a point defense system, maybe slightly stronger. I think that card in and of itself is just not really good enough, you know, for example, like, if you look at um, it versus other forms of, of kind of, like, hate or hosers, it's just not as good, you know, even um, W5 Gyroblaster gives you an attack, right, and it sits in the utility slot, whereas the armor slot is, like, more highly contested, I think maybe, like, a two-star head that reduced Pierce while the character was battling, and not all your dudes, while this character was battling specifically, maybe reduce Pierce by three or something, I feel like that's reasonable, yeah. maybe it's Two power, but I mean, 
I, I think that's totally fine. At least two. At least reducing it by two. But I think yeah, three is what I want. Fine. fine, Kai. We'll you can stack it. You can actually stack it. So that's why that's why I think they would start small first. Okay. That's actually that's a good point. You could stack it. All right. Well, uh, now that we've gotten our icebreaker out of the way, I feel like we should head uh, straight into it. So without further ado, Kai, would you get us started on the roundtable this week? All right. So what I'm going to bring to the table is. Camion Crash. Uh, it's a black action. Uh, do one damage to each to one of your characters. Do two damage to an enemy. Um, so this is along the lines of uh, this this set's main theme, which is bringing just generic burn cards in uh, general to the characters. Because before this range, if you were thinking burn, you were thinking range. Like those two were pretty much synonymous with each other. But now with this set, uh, Camion Crash. Well. A little worse because you have to take the damage from the card compared to Plasma Burst, which you didn't have to do damage for. Uh, you can turn that downside into an upside with things like Energon Axe or Windsweeper or, or cards of that like. And combined with uh, Horrible, because it, it is a Black Pit, it becomes a better it becomes a better one shot stand. So I think this card just really has upswing, and it's just fantastic. It's just <laughs> such a great card. Yeah, this card is super good. It's a common and uh, the one shell stand was a rare for one mm-hmm. thing. I think this card is just better. Like I, I never really liked dealing all that damage to my own character. I'm, I'm not crazy about dealing one to my own character, but that's not nearly as big a deal. Plus, it comes with a relevant pip, which one shell stand didn't. I mean, it almost makes one shell stand just a completely irrelevant card. I think that uh, a good a good pairing with this card would be magnetic dysfunction ray. Depends on what how you're building your deck. If you're building it around uh, Decepticons, Magray is almost a way to play Camion Crash on every one of your characters and every one of your opponent's characters at the same time if they're playing Autobots. So Camion Crash is a fantastic card. Cards like Magray are mostly going to push Autobots out of the meta. It feels like to me it's going to be a very Decepticon-heavy meta, so Camion Crash might actually be better in that case. I don't, I don't mean to harp on the same points. Like, it's a, obviously a good card. I think that Kimmy Crash is fantastic. I think you got to look at it for, uh, like, the points of comparison, right? So I think the most commonly played two-damage burn spell up until this point is probably Sturdy Javelin, right? So Sturdy Javelin is fantastic in what it does. It avoids one of the most commonly played secret actions in Sabotage Armaments. It's white pip, so it can go in an aggressive deck or a defensive deck. The primary uh, competitive, my, competitive like statted characters in in the meta game up until this point were mostly ranged characters, so it was almost like a a non uh, effect to really put it on your guy. But it didn't happen until you attacked. So there were there were definitely situations where, in regards to sturdy javelin, where you didn't want you wanted to put the, the damage on the person who is tapped on your opponent's team to KO them before you attacked and give yourself more options, or maybe you know be able to get in a character that you otherwise wouldn't be able to get in at. Um, Camion Crash avoids that entirely. I think there's also a parallel to be drawn uh, between Marksmanship and this card, which is an- another two damage burn spell, uh, another card with a relevant pip. That one used to be blue. This one is, uh, this one is, is, I guess it still is blue. This one is black. But Marksmanship was like one of the most commonly played cards in the game through the last two, in the last three waves. You know what I mean? Um, and it's been kind of like a pretty defining card. The advent of body mode characters has rendered, have rendered Marksmanship um, less useful. Plus, so many characters want to be in their alt modes when they're attacking and defending. 
Um, you think of the different patrol characters. You can think of Sky Shadow and his parts, some of the triple changers. But one of the things that that has done is this kind of left a vacuum for you know the go-to uh, larger than one damage burn spell. You can't zap isn't just just isn't good enough a lot of the time, even on things like Tripwire, which is really awesome. Um, but Camion Crash is a huge burst of damage. If you're playing it alongside Horrible, it is literally a better one-shot stand, one-shot fall. You're taking two, and you'd be and you'd be netting three damage, which gets defied where the damage goes on both halves, which is kind of insane. So one of the things that we've talked about before is that um, Burn has been really powerful, but it hasn't taken over the game as far as a deck archetype because there hasn't been a critical mass of cards that deal direct damage before. Now... In Wave 5, there are several new additions of cards that, that have relevant pips and do significant amounts of damage when they're cast. On top of the fact that they're not really restriction-heavy. So Precision Fire, Camion Crash, Magray that we were already talking about. All of those are, are more than reasonable cards. On top of the already existing damage spells, like Sturdy Javelin was mentioned earlier, even on Hovercraft and certain shells. It carries the most staple... Uh, kind of like sense to me of cards that I've of, that we will maybe have talked about, um, in that I think Camion Crash goes in basically every deck, and there's not a lot of cards in the set where I think that's true. But I think Camion Crash goes in like in almost every deck. It's low opportunity cost, uh, and it has a really really high output. It's damage positive, common. It shouldn't be hard to get a hold of a set. It shouldn't be restrictive price wise like Marksmanship was there at the end. Um, of the last format. Hopefully I didn't steal all your points, Ken. No, it's all good. I think to piggyback off of Kai, with Titan Master's Attack, almost every deck that we are building uh, uses new bots and, of course, new battle cards as well. Uh, But the set is so strong and so important to this game that I think it pushes marksmanship out of the meta. And this is the next best replacement. I will gladly pay one point of damage for a card that doesn't have some like horrible restriction like uh, marksmanship does now before it wasn't horrible but now it kind of is and the fact that like it has a relevant pip as joel said there's so much direct damage that is not restricted to ranged characters anymore and that's going to be important for the rest of our discussion tonight too and I I love this card. It's fantastic. I agree also with Richard, where most decks are probably going to want to play uh, three copies of this card just because it extends your reach. Oh, I just didn't get that character quite finished off. Well, now he's gone. Mm -hmm. Um, And you don't have to play range to do that anymore. And that is a significant impact on the metagame um, that we're going to see moving forward. Also, it works really well with Windsweeper, who I love, and yeah, that's <laughs> all I got on that one. One of the other things it lets you do in this wave in particular is, because we've talked about how much I love Sky Shadow in the characters roundtable, um, Camion Crash dealing a damage to your Sky Shadow can actually let you combine in certain instances. One of your guys is at 9, you get to deal him a damage with Camion Crash, deal two damage to an opposing uh, bot, and then you flip, you'll combine uh, and untap your Sky Shadow, deal three damage to an Autobot if they've got an Autobot, and then you'll have another attack. 
which is an incredibly powerful sequence and can save your Sky Shadow some damage if they were if your opponent was going to try to uh, you know kind of to divvy it up between the pieces before they got KO'd. Last week we talked about four actions or secret actions. This week we started with an action, but I'm going to talk about the first upgrade that we're going to discuss. It's a double pit card also, and it's going to be very important in this meta. Improvised Shield is an upgrade <laughs> armor. And it will be very important in this meta, but that is not the card I'm going to discuss. <laughs> um, I'm going to discuss Nitro Booster, which is a utility upgrade. Uh, one black pip and another black pip with a car icon on it. And it says... When the upgraded character attacks and has three attack or less, untap it and scrap this card. So this card, because of the black pips, goes very well in any kind of deck that's uh, centered around piercing and, and being black pips like the David Burgos deck, right? Oh, and it would go fantastic in that deck because it would untap every one of his Guys, maybe not barrage. Not barrage, yeah. Yeah, uh, but it, it it's it's almost like doing like getting an extra turn if you get to attack with your guy and then he untaps and then you get to attack with him again the next turn or uh, you know maybe attacks again that turn if he's the last guy. I mean this, this is a really really cool card. It does scrap the card after you untap, but it's a it's an extremely powerful card. It'll it'll go great on. Uh, all sorts of small characters to protect them. Just make sure that they're not upgraded with a, I don't know, fusion bore or a grenade launcher or an energon action before they swing. Th this card go could go in so many decks as long as they're centered around the strategy of piercing your opponent. Untaps are very clearly powerful. The Wave 3 metagame was dominated by cars. I'm sure you all remember this. I mean, th there were some Shockwave that really came in powerfully there at the end. We saw some Blaster Aggro really be good. But uh, in my experience, um, a, a large portion of it was dominated by cars decks, which you know were uniquely powerful because they had access to multiple untap effects. Nitro Booster has an interesting restriction on it, right? Uh, the when it attacks and has three or less uh, untap and scrap this card. I think one of the really important things to note is that because of the trigger checking on the attack and untapping before you flip any cards and add that to your attack total it is good because it means this card can go in aggressive decks and not just things like blue-black decks, right? Or like wide blue decks with some smaller characters who are going to, who are going to be trying getting in and piercing people. Um, I think that the Burgos Bold deck is probably the easiest place to slot this in. You have multiple characters. You all you three of your four characters in the, natural, or in the existing list uh, that you can put Nitro Booster on. Uh, to untap them, and they're actually swinging for much more than three, but you know, higher guaranteed damage values, flipping like six cards and such like that. They technically meet the restriction. So I think one of the things you're going to want to watch out for when you're when you're trying to build decks around this is you're trying to beat the restriction because the restriction is not very hard to actually meet. There's a, we have several examples of characters that already are very good with it, right? Um, I think one of the other things that you can can look to maybe use is in the Burgos Bold deck, I've been uh, slotting uh, Horrible in place with, with Kreb as the head in place of Barrage, actually. So Horrible in his, in his alt mode actually only has three attack. So if that were the case, Nitro Booster would literally untap any of your characters who attacked in that deck, 
which is a really, really unique way to break a, to break the restriction on this card. Um, the fact that it's a utility and not a weapon, I think, is also really awesome because it means that you can do things like preemptively load up uh, a guy with maybe he's a zero attack character with high bold with something like uh, either erratic lightning, uh, power punch. Um, you can maybe put a fusion bore on him, something like that, and then the guy will the character will still be able to get in and get the untap, which is really really strong. I think one of the other really cool things you can do is you can put this nitro booster on. Um, uh, Demolisher flipped if he has a composite armor. He'll still meet the below three restriction, but then you get to save him from defending so he won't scrap the armor, the composite armor, which is really, really good. Um, I don't know that the extra car black pip is going to be super relevant on this card. I don't know that there's a ton of cars decks that have characters with three or less attack. There's a lot of cars decks that have like four or less attack. Maybe something like the four wide cars deck that uh, Kevin Allen took. To uh, what did he take down with Gen Con? Yeah, he took down Gen Con with that. Maybe something like that, because RC is another character who can get untapped by Nitro Booster. So that's something to keep in mind. I, I think this card is really interesting. I haven't found a lot of places for it so far yet, uh, but it's something that I've had on my radar basically the entire time. And I wouldn't be shocked if I got beat by some person who figured it out. I think a archetype that people are probably not exploring yet that maybe they should be is a black cars build. Um, Windcharger has such an amazing um, attack, you know, right out the gate, but then it's a way to make him relevant later as he keeps untapping and you can save him for later uh, since he, if you use his stratagem, then he gets that uh, free leap into battle just like he did on turn one. I'm not saying that that is the best move ever, but I could see a deck with like Prowl, Wheeljack, and Windcharger or some other bold car that just pierces the living heck out of you. And that to me sounds very, very scary because you know that they're going to hit those numbers. Um, very much like the Burgos Bold deck, but at the same time, then they're going to get to untap and do it again with their car on taps and with this. Uh, they're always going to have untaps. So it's just like insane amounts of peers coming your way, like turn after turn. I think that there's a lot of potential with that. Um, it's not something that we as a team have explored yet, um, but I'm sure that other people are going to be thinking about that too. Yeah, one of my favorite things about this card is the fact that it doesn't just help both sides of uh, aggro and and uh, blue decks, but uh, it helps a specific type of aggro deck, which was the orange black pierce deck, or just pierce in general. That deck has it, it's been commonly uh, misconcepted that pierce decks and black decks in general just haven't been strong enough until uh, David Burgos himself showed uh, the Burgos pierce. Orange Madness, I don't remember the name at this point. but uh, <laughs> I think he, he called it the Orange Black Pierce Madness, was I believe what he called it. And it yeah, was Madness. I've been calling it Burgos Bold because the alliteration is really nice for me. <laughs> I like that too. <laughs> yeah, it, but yeah, until then, that was like black was just considered a fairly irrelevant color. It was basically compared to a blank at, for the most part. And now with things like Horrible and um, that deck, uh, that color is much more powerful than we've given it credit for in the past, and 
this this card just helps amplify it helps amplify uh lionizer demolisher to the most proponent of cards of those aggro types and it helps uh there's been a lot of talk of of like a blue black card deck that i've seen popping around lately it, it helps those but yeah this is this is such an interestingly unique and powerful card I, the restriction i think is why it's so good because it points you to what wants to use it other than the just straight orange cars deck in general so yeah i really love this card i haven't found any way to abuse it yet but yeah it's it's just a it's matter of good. time it's just a matter of time exactly what one other thing about this card is general optimus uh, from wave three and off-road patrol blue black and like being able to like untap those little guys uh, to get in, you know, for the peers and then with new orders. And actually, David Burgos is who showed me that deck. <laughs> and it was a lot meaner than I thought it would be. When I saw that lineup and he started flipping a few blues and blacks, I was like, okay, whatever. And then it was like, oh, Fusion Boar. And like on defense, he's flipping all this blue. And like, ah, it, was, it was kind of a problem. Yeah, actually. You know what? There was actually, um, at the beginning of Wave 4, one of the things I was exploring, um, I love Aimless, Raider Aimless. I think people probably know that. But I was exploring an off-road patrol blue-black deck based around the fact that uh, you would always go second, force people into Aimless two times, they'd probably kill him. You'd put him on one of your off-road patrol, and because of um, Power Train, the character would always hit the ability on Aimless, because he'd be, he'd be flipping bold in a blue deck, um, which lets you keep up damage race-wise, and the fact that you had all these characters who were reasonable uh, attacking with you know Pierce for their basically their entire attack number every single turn when they were uh, on the on the prowl uh, meant that you could really put out some damage, and you defended really well against like the other really wide aggro decks, with the exception of sometimes you get beaten by bugs because bugs does bugs things. But that deck showed some progress, and I don't know why I haven't explored it again anytime recently. Probably, and probably because Magray is just absolutely devastating. But I would be shocked if something like that, like a blue-black uh, semi-wide deck, really did come to fruition. I wouldn't. I also wouldn't be shocked if this was a major component in that card, in that in that archetype being successful. Well, here's what I'm bringing to the table today. Sorry, I stole your phrasing, Kai. Um, Take it. It was it was just really bringing it to the table makes so much sense if we're calling it a round table, you know what I mean? Yep. Uh, but uh, the card I'm bringing is Fusion Boar. So Fusion Boar is I think there was I don't remember which cast this was, but I talked about the fact that this was the card that I was surprised by because of of the many different cards that I think are uniquely powerful or are powerful in kind of an archetype or macro archetype. From Wave 5, Fusion Boar, I think, has made it into the most lists, just like as a, is looking for a gross count, like a gross number, uh, because it's really kind of generically powerful. There aren't a whole lot of generically powerful cards in this set. I think this is one of them that is, right? So the, the weapons that have fallen off um, after their use historically have been incredibly good. Sturdy Javelin gets scrapped after you attack, and it deals two damage to anyone you want. Grenade Launcher is the only plus four weapon up until we got Master Sword in this set, right? Um, if you look at 
Power Punch. Power Punch has been super good as kind of like an ancillary weapon in aggressive shells that, that where they really, really want to stack on that they're trying to attack with high damage. Maybe they have extra or double orange pips in it or something like that. Uh, but Fusion Borer asks very little of you in the same way that Grenade Launcher does. Um, but it gives you quite a bit. Now, it doesn't have the same damage output. It does not, it's not a plus four. But Pierce 3 plus 3 means this card is basically just... Um, if you can let it, you know, survive through the attack, this card is just a guaranteed bolt of lightning that you put on your guy, which is insane. That card's a star card for a reason. Three damage is a lot of guaranteed damage, you know. And there are several characters that you can put it on where you're just going to be end up end up stacking Pierce, you know. Um, you could do it like something. Maybe you combine your Sky Shadow. You have a fusion. You get to put a fusion bore on him, deal a damage with a horrible or something like that. And then Sky Shadow has Pierce 7 before you flip any cards, which is absolutely monstrous. Fusion Boar has uh, gone in any of my blue decks to make sure that my smaller characters, because typically blue decks have, uh, defensive blue shells have one kind of centerpiece guy and then some smaller characters. But Fusion Boar helps turn your smaller characters into relevant attackers. It's not just Energon Axe anymore, and if you get lucky on whether or not they're a Decepticon or a or a Autobot, uh, you know, based on the which type of blaster you have. Um, Fusion Borer is real damage output that you can put in there. And the fact that black pips are getting so much stronger and becoming relevant with cards like Horrible, you know, The Menace, you know, it's, it's just another really strong card that doesn't ask a lot of you that you can play and you're not actually giving up much, deck building cost-wise, to put it in your deck. Um this is one of the cards I really loved when I was trying to play around play around with building Windsweeper decks, too, because the moving damage plus the pierce, you just had so much guaranteed damage on each of your attacks. So that's that's my contention. Blow it up or agree. What do you guys think? Oh, I love this card. It is absolutely fantastic. What you were talking about, about these disposable weapons. Um, man, Sound Blaster absolutely loves this card. Um, <laughs> just being able to like pick it. Oh, I flipped it. Now I'm going to pick it up, put it on sound blaster. He's going to attack with it. Um, it's, it's fantastic. Uh, that guy loves it. Another thing like with javelin and power punch, grenade launcher, uh, now fusion bore man, backup bag is starting to look like a real card. Um, <laughs> I'm not kidding about that. Um, it's green. You can just pick it up and then like, Hey, he's got fusion borer again. That's real. That is real. <laughs> so I'm a big fan of this card. I love the fact that it is guaranteed damage no matter what. I think the black pip is absolutely perfect for it. Um, some people have discussed having it be another color. Now I think black's just fine for it it is going to have a significant, significant impact on the metagame. If you see horrible across the table, expect three of these in their deck. Yeah, I really love this card. This card is um, really good. It compares with one of my favorite cards from Wave 4, which is off Opportune Offensive. I haven't found a deck to put both of these cards in yet, but then again, I haven't tried to uh, cassette uh, tape Soundwave in a while, but this is definitely going in there. But I want to talk about this card in the context of uh, just orange decks. Uh, a lot of a lot of the cards that you're they're playing in that deck in the like if you're just mono orange, you're playing a lot of orange black cards like supercharge or not supercharge, uh, fight for position, magnetic disray dysfunction ray, 
and um, Wedge Formation. Like, those cards are pretty almost in every single orange deck for the most part. And that's a lot of blacks that you're flipping already. So just having... It, it wouldn't be uncommon just play this and then be swinging for whatever amount you're swinging Pierce 4 to where you're always... get Basically, you're always guaranteeing damage with that type of deck. And I don't think that losing the orange on this card just because you didn't because you're playing this over something like Erratic Lightning. I think this would be a better choice overall because just that element of guaranteed damage is probably going to be more relevant when we get to a more blue-focused metagame. But uh, for now, I don't think it'll apply that much, but just keep this in the back of your thoughts if you love just love playing orange. Just look at your deck, and you'll see how many orange-blacks you're actually playing. And yeah, this would not be a bad addition in those decks at all. True. Yeah, I, I don't have a lot to add about this card. It's obviously very powerful. The the black pips become even more relevant the more of them that they that they print. And this is just part of the package of cards that a lot of people were saying the sky is falling and blue is dead. <laughs> because this card is obviously very anti defense. It's it's almost impossible to stop. Like like Richard was saying with the with the lightning bolt effect. Having three of these in there for zero stars is a uh, is extremely powerful. I, I prefer it to grenade launcher. Uh, part of the part of the problem with with orange decks is they keep running into blue decks that you know mitigate most of the damage. Well, this says I don't care. It doesn't really matter. The kind of deck that you're going to put this in in general doesn't really care what kind of defense your opponent's playing. It's it's almost uh, uh, equally strong against everything. Yeah, I mean, I think it's certainly more powerful than Power Punch. Would you guys agree with that? Yep. I think they're they're almost on the same level. I would say. Maybe not in a in a Fangry deck that's got uh, <laughs> nine double oranges, but other than that, yeah. Uh, I believe you mean twelve double oranges. That's what I meant. Twelve. My math. Yeah, yeah. I think that's all we have to say on Fusion Bore. I think we're we're in pretty much in agreement on that one, right? Like it it goes in mixed pip decks, it goes in blue decks, it goes in um, uh, you know m- a lot of orange decks, maybe not all of them. Any of them that have you know any kind of Pierce under element to them, I think it's an easy include. Uh, and it's just low opportunity cost, you know. Like this card in Camion Crash is so low opportunity cost. Um, which brings us to the Last card of the round table today. Kent, you're up. Okay, this is going to be kind of a controversial one. I've seen a lot of uh, top 10 battle cards lists from several different content creators, and none of them have this card in their list. And in our testing, it has been absolutely crucial um, to staying alive. Um, a lot of our decks involve horrible and his just massive amount of direct damage. And the the way to beat that is with this card. Um, and the card I'm talking about is Holomatic Projector. It is a green armor, and it gives plus one defense, and non-attack damage cannot be dealt to this character. And let me tell you, this card is so important you may not see this right now in some of the online games that you may be playing, but as this meta develops more, I think people are going to understand what a crucial, crucial card this is. Um, the fact that you can just pick it up means that I would at least run one in almost every deck I play because, again, you sit down across from Horrible 
and your guy's going to get lit up. And they're probably going to target your main guy, and they may only have to attack him once, even if he has a ton of health. So this, you can just pick up, you can put it on your guy and say, no, you cannot do that to me anymore. Sure, shoot my, you know, what whatever else that I'm playing, but this guy you're going to leave alone, and he's going to come in and kill your horrible uh, when he gets the chance. This card is very, very very important. I think a lot of people are just kind of, you know, passing it by the wayside, but it's been integral to playing blue in this format. So I haven't had a lot of experience playing it because I've been leaving it to you guys, but <laughs> playing across from it, it is very annoying. To it. So if you're playing across from it and you, you're not prepared for it, it's way more annoying than the way I'm playing it because I know to expect it. So I have to save my bashing shields or my reprocess or whatever for it so that my direct damage goes through but if you're not if you're not prepared for it then this card could probably steal enough of the time to, to win their opponent that game because this card it shuts down the horrible strategy it st- shuts down uh, the three damage from sky shadow so you can play your autobot safely mm-hmm. protects one of your important characters from mag disray mm-hmm. and yeah it's it's been very powerful i probably will be jumping on in the hollow matter projector ship soon but yeah, it's uh, from my testing, it's been very annoying to play against, and that's probably a good thing for the card. I think that this card and the and the other three cards that we've discussed show a a, a lot of what Watsu is probably trying to accomplish uh, with this set, or at least with uh, the build up to this set. We have not talked about a single card that has an orange pip or a blue pip, and it's starting to to be where you build decks. That are either, that are very mixed or are not so supremely focused on one color that the game becomes, should I say, predictable? Like the the flipping, what what what's going to flip over? I don't know. My decks are very lots of colors. So uh, anyway, to talk about this specific card, it, it's obviously very good. Uh, like Kent made a top eight at Origins last year. Uh, with Motormaster in his main deck or his main lineup because direct damage was such a big deal there and Motormaster kind of shut that down. So Hollow Matter Projector is is Kent's new Motormaster <laughs> that, that he's using to try to jump the format. Um, and I think he's probably really onto something. The the plus one health or the plus one defense is is neat, but the fact that you can just pick this up because it's a green pip makes it much more predictable for you and, and much more useful instead of it just being, boy, I really hope that I draw that. I mean, it kind of has to be all the way at the bottom of your deck for you not to draw it. So uh, it's it's very versatile and will shut down all sorts of all sorts of strategies. So I am kind of in a camp between Kai and uh, Kent at this point, um, which is that Kent is a madman. Um, I think all of us here know that. Um, and like I've seen a bunch of decks that he's posted to our, our you know our shared Google Drive where he's got like two hollow matters in his main deck. Now, I can tell you with confidence that I have gotten crushed because of double hollow matter projector in his main deck. Um, I, I am very, very much in agreement of the idea that 
Hollow Knight Projector is really integral if you're going to play lineups with an Autobot in it in this format. Magray having a, a disproportionate effect against Autobots and Sky Shadow's low flip intensiveness on top of the fact that he's got the direct damage built in against Autobots means that you're going to have to have those things in mind plus the, just the existence of Horrible. You're going to have to have those things in mind when you're coming up with what you're bringing to a tournament. You cannot ignore them. And because of that fact, Hollow Matter Projector has been climbing in numbers in my sideboards uh, when I've been building decks. I like to think of decks as if they are 50s as opposed to as they are 40s and sideboards. Um, that way there are cards that are kind of fluent, right? Like what cards barely don't make the main deck, what cards are coming in from the sideboard in every matchup, maybe they deserve more uh, consideration as far as like where they belong in that on the side of the 50, you know what I mean? Um but I, I think I, – here's my thing about Hollow Matter right now. Right now, it is my 41st card. So we talk, we've talked a ton, maybe not as much on this podcast, but in our, in our own time when we're discussing things, trying to put things together, we've talked a ton about, this, about X card being the 41st card in my deck, which means that if 41 was the minimum number of cards that you needed to build a deck, this is the card that would occupy that slot, right? But it just – it's not – quite where I want it. And I keep thinking more and more that maybe I'm wrong, maybe it's the 40th card. Maybe there's something that I'm missing. Maybe I have too many copies of something that I just find dead in my hand a bunch of the time. But I'll tell you this. I think the fact that this card is potentially good is really indicative of where Wave 5's power is like kind of point, pointed, right? So if you look at like where the, where the skill points have been allocated... Um, as far as the set goes, mechanically. Because I think if this was a card that came out in Wave 4, people would have laughed at it and they wouldn't have played it. I think the same would have been true in Wave 3. Because direct damage existed, but it was such a small portion of the metagame. I think there were still people who would play like one in their sideboard because it's very low opportunity cost, and maybe they were scared of like overwhelming advantage at, at EI or something like that. Man, this card has hosed me. I think one of the other things that I, we were talking about was uh, – remember during the icebreaker question when I said point defense system not giving you an added defense point was really, really detrimental to it? Hollow Matter Projector does the thing where it hoses a particularly egregious style of deck when it's done in mass, plus it's a green pip, so you get access to it whenever you want and you don't have to flood your deck with copies of it, and it gives you an added stat benefit. It just hits the mark in so many ways, right? The hosers in Wave 5, part of why they've been so effective is literally because of the fact that so many of them have green pips, which means you don't have to just absolutely butcher your deck to play them. And I think that's one of the things that I really love about this set. And I'm, this is one of the cards that I think has most beaten my expectations. And Kent, you were high on it from the start, so good on you. Well, one thing I want to voice my opinion on real quick, too, is I know a lot of people are like, hey, put it in the sideboard, put it in the sideboard. Yeah, I have a third in my sideboard for my blue deck right now. <laughs> and here, here's the thing. If you are playing blue, you do not have time to lose game one in a big, massive tournament. You might not get to game three. You might win game two, but oh, time was called. And they had more damage on you. Too bad. Um, 
that that is really important to me to win game one to not go well you know if i face this kind of deck well i guess i just lose game one and off to game two and three i'll i'll win those because i'll put in my cyborg cards yeah most of the time that's okay but i'm more of the type of player that i want all the variables to be accounted for in my main deck if possible i mean obviously you can't jam every sideboard card into a deck your deck wouldn't be effective that way but since this has a green pip and you can just pick it up at will and it has the stat bonus i'm just i i love this card and i think it's integral to many games that i've won and if it had been a tournament and we've been pl playing best two out of three and all that, it's like, hey, I won game one and then I won game two also. And I'm the blue player. Or if we're playing blue on blue, cool. That's all we had time to play. That That's why I think this deserves a main deck spot. So I think it's hilariously a very good segue into our viewer question of the week. I don't know if that was intentional, Kent. But <laughs> that was not. That was not. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Looking at the viewer question now on the on the cast list, it's like, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I might as well stop teasing it and actually get to it. We're gonna call it there for the round table. Like I said, we're probably gonna start mixing up the format in the coming weeks. Uh, but we do have a viewer question to cover this week, um, and it did come from the post. I personally love getting to interact with what our viewers have to say. So shout out to you guys. Um, but our question this episode comes from Christian Young, friend of the cast, uh, one we've all, we've all met uh, from PPT Dallas. Uh, but Christian asked the following. Given the addition of Titan Masters, uh, talking about the heads and, and bodies, the two-parters, um, effectively increasing the average character sizes of teams, I've found that matches tend to go longer or cut close to the 50-minute time limit for rounds. And this is even just in testing. Do you think there's a possibility of them increasing the round time from 50 minutes to an hour? My answer to that would be absolutely yes. Um, I actually w voiced my concern at Origins about that because um, especially at the top tables towards the end of the tournament, it was a lot of blue and matches were going to time. Like I made top eight in two of the qualifiers and one of the ones that I played with I think I would have made top eight had we not gone to time because I had lethal damage waiting the next turn. And I know that people are like, oh, just play faster. Cool. Well, it's blue on blue. And sometimes there's a lot of decisions to be made. Sure, you need to play test. You need to know your deck inside and out. So you can play within that restriction. And that is a lesson that I learned from going to Origins um, and, and going through that process. And I think a lot of other people did too. However, now with Titan Masters, the games are definitely longer just because there's more characters to go through, there's more turns to take. Um, now you're going to be shuffling your deck more because you're taking more turns too. That takes time. Um, all of these factors kind of add up and I hope that they increase uh, tournament match games to 60 minutes uh, just for that reason alone. Well, I think that there's zero chance that they're going to change the the round lengths, they, they've been pretty clear that that people just need to play faster and, and that tournaments are long enough already uh, and people just need to play faster. I mean, like, I, I, I know that – I know you don't like that being, being a blue player, but people just need to make their decisions faster. I, I have played plenty of matches where 
where it goes to time. It does, I mean, it, it doesn't matter what colors you're playing. If people are thinking a really long time about very minor decisions, then it's going to go to time. It doesn't matter how long they make the round. If they make, if they make the round 60 minutes, people are going to want it to be 70. Uh, it's, they, they, if they if they increase the, the round length, then that just won't be enough, and people so, want it to be longer. So I think I think it needs to remain at fifty. And so I, think, I think that they're going to leave it at fifty. I don't think they're going to change that. So is this is is your principle or your 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 position? The if you give a mouse a cookie. Yeah, pretty much like that. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, well you Kai, what do you think? I'm actually in agreement with Joe. I'm, I'm, I don't think they will increase the time limit. The reason why it feels longer with Titan Masters specifically is because this mechanic is still so new. I remember the first time I was playing against Horrible, which was the, around the first time we were first testing, and I swung and I killed Horrible and I erased him from my mind. And then uh, this little dumb head comes out and, and I'm like, oh, wait a minute. Oh, that's right. And then I lost the game because of that, because I didn't have that foresight. But... Yeah, Titan Masters is a new mechanic. People are going to be slow to pick up on it, but I I don't think that's any real justification for increasing the time because it's a mechanic that we can get used to and that we should get used to. And the time it doesn't make it actually it actually doesn't make the game longer. It's just there's less wheel turns now. Which if you aren't sure what wheel turn means, this means the turn before a reset. So. a lot of characters are just going to be stay tapped longer, so they're more likely to die. And well, Kai, I think you make some really strong points. Um, I actually think all of you have made some very strong points. Um, interesting enough, I think you're all kind of hitting on different axes too, which is fun for me because it means I get to do what I always do and take a middle <laughs> position. <laughs> you know, um, I so I disagree with the fact that the rounds are just longer or the games are just wrong longer because of people's unfamiliar like lack of familiarity with the mechanic because I would say at this point that I am familiar with the mechanic and I would say that I'm, I'm familiar enough that I normally am like trying to help my opponent like see things particularly like when I'm playing like webcam games where things might not be as clear because of quality issues or whatever right but even in those instances I find that the number of turns where I have to think really far ahead and go into what a lot of uh, trading card game players call the tank, or like to tank on a decision, right, to go into a think tank, the number of turns that that is present in my gameplay has felt like it's really high, really high. And um, you're talking from the you're talking to the guy who like at, at Energon Invitational, I literally played the slowest deck that there has ever been in the game. I literally I had one attacker and his attack was six, but my opponent could never deal me damage. I went to time one time in round one, and that was it. But like I, like I'm telling you, like I play quickly. Like I know that people, some people like should maybe speed up their play. Maybe some people have some difficulty speeding up their play. Uh, but man, my games have been taking so long in this in this format. Now here's the other thing. I do think that some of it comes from lack of familiarity, but Basically, like my thesis is that I don't think that a significant enough portion of the added length is from that for, the, for you to justify not lengthening the rounds at all, especially when people going to time has already been a prevalent issue at 50. So this is before the introduction of this mechanic. People going to time has already been a problem. Maybe not for maybe not as much for some people as others, but like in the tournament length at large. Um, 
So I don't know. Um, I don't know what the appropriate response is. I'm not Watsy. I don't have the experience of running, maintaining, and you know, kind of like keeping a, a card game healthy uh, like they do. But and I know that they've been adamant up until this point about not doing something like increasing the round times. I do think that Joel has a strong point in that I think in the future, if more complicated mechanics are introduced to the game, people will probably ask for another extension should they grant one here. By the same token, um, I'd be lying to you if I told you I didn't think I could use more time in my rounds. <laughs> so so l- let me say this too. Ever since Origins, I've definitely worked on speeding up my play. And unless I'm unfamiliar with the deck that I'm playing, like it's the first couple of games with playtesting, I do play slow, you know. Um, but to go into what you're saying, you've been playing a blue deck in this format against me playing another blue deck. At this point, we know every card in the other person's deck. We are very familiar with our own deck, very familiar with the matchup, and we still cannot get through three games in 50 minutes. No. Zero times. Yeah, zero times. And that, and like, hey, I've made top eight at quite a few big tournaments. You've made top eight at quite a few big tournaments. You were the number one seed going into top eight at Energon Invitational. We didn't have time constraints problems then. And like the fact that we cannot play a blue on blue matchup in this metagame within 50 minutes because there is so much more going on, but we are familiar with it at this point. That does kind of signal to me that we could use a little bit more time. Um, I think if they capped it at 60 and just said, look, this is what we're going to do. And in their own testing before they release a set, if they can't get through, you know, like three games within 60 minutes, maybe they might change the dynamic of the mechanic. Um, I'm not sure, but that does kind of concern me, which is why I would lean towards a little bit more time. I wonder actually if they understood that the added uh, time length that came from playing Titan Masters was something they were trying to account for in the design of the set, and that might account for the reason why there is so much direct damage, because direct damage lowers the amount of turns that exist within a game. And there's a lot of it and a lot of quality examples of it in this set. So I I can't help but wonder if that was an issue in their testing and maybe part of the reason why they included so much direct damage uh, as far as the battle cards in this set go. Yeah, this set seems very aggressive with the uh, orange black and all the all the black pips. I mean, I, I think the the game is supposed to be a fast paced robot on robot action fighting game. I mean, and they want never really intended for games to be you take one damage, now it's your turn. I block all of it. I take zero. They didn't. I don't. I don't think that's what they actually intended from the beginning. So so the all the aggression in this set. And the 50-minute time limit, I, I mean, I think they want fast-paced battle action. But, Joel, I like the I take zero, you take one games. Me too. <laughs> I don't mind those games either. I'm just saying that, that that's not necessarily what they meant when they when, – that they had intended when they created the game as a, as a – for a tournament format. That's a good point. We don't know what their intention was there. So that's a good point. You know, something that might be interesting is like uh, Magic Online has a timer um, and even Magic Arena does too, which I love. Um, And of course, chess tournaments have uh, timers in live games. 
that's something I've always wanted to see in live game magic. Um, obviously, the cost is pretty prohibitive for the tournament organizers to get one for, you know, every single uh, pair of players. That is something that would be interesting to me. I think that ought to do it. Episode 11 is in the books. Uh, we greatly appreciate everybody out there in the ether listening to us, whatever platform you found us on. Uh, you can find our other episodes, uh, previous and in the future, on YouTube, SoundCloud, iTunes, and most recently Spotify. We've got links in the description. And if you found the input here and the information here valuable, you can find more stuff like it, more strategy, more analysis, tournament reports, and others at transformyourgame.net. We look forward to being back uh, to speak to all of you guys next week. But until that time, clear eyes, flip bots, can't lose.